This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Playoffs. Hello and welcome to NL Playoffs. My name is Gautam. I have with me my co-host Aniket. Aniket, say namaste. Hello world. Aniket, how has your uh, sports week been or the sports couple of weeks been? It's been pretty exciting. We are going to talk about, I think, various sports today. It's going to be one of those episodes where we jump from one sport to the other because a lot has happened along different lines and lengths. Yeah. By the way, how great was it to have uh, Amit Verma on the podcast? I still kind of can't believe it that we had him. <laughs> it is still kind of surreal to me that we uh, spoke with him. Uh, but yeah, it was such an enlightening conversation. Any of the listeners who haven't listened to it, uh, check our previous episode out. It was with Amit Verma. We spoke about uh, sporting ecosystems, uh, among many other things. Right. It was a great chat. I got to learn so much. So I'm so excited to just keep doing more of these. Have interesting folks out there come on our podcast and teach us. So I'm I'm really excited on that front now. We also have uh, uh, another special guest. We have back-to-back special guests, uh, Aniket, on the, on the, on the podcast. We, uh, we have uh, a fellow News Laundry subscriber, which we are so happy that he's joining us. Uh, Vikash. Uh, Vikash, how are you, man? Hi, hi, Gautam. Hi, Aniket. It's great to be here. Uh, love to talk about sports any day, anytime. It's it's just a passion that I carry. Yeah, great to be here. It's so good to have you because uh, this is exactly what we wanted to do, start a conversation on sport and uh, you are a testament that it's happening. So thank you for coming on board. And that you are a fellow subscriber it makes us even more proud that uh, uh, you took some time and joined us because we share that common bond here with News Laundry. So tell us briefly about what you do, Vikash, and how you got into the world of sports and sports watching. I'm sure you play a little bit too. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'll start off with what I do for a living. I'm part of a telecom company. I work for uh, one of the three available in India. <laughs> uh, if you if you uh, count BSNL, then it is four. So uh, BSNL is not one of the one of the companies that I work for. Anyways, so uh, I've been a sportsman, uh, a sports person, athlete, a sports enthusiast for as long as I remember. I think uh, from the age of five, I've been playing uh, some or the other form of uh, competitive cricket. If you count the general matches that keep happening in the uh, you know small towns, I belong to a very small town, right? Uh, in uh, MP, and there is there is no sports culture there, like the that is there in Mumbai or say Delhi or the, some of the bigger uh, cities. Now uh, things are changing a little, but uh, that is where I come from. I come from a very non-sport. Uh, background uh, in terms of uh, the places where I lived but uh, uh, thankfully my father was a footballer so yeah uh, that that comes in naturally in me and uh, being you know three boys house I was always inclined towards the sports because we were competing for one thing or the other at home so yeah that comes naturally to me. That always helps when uh, one of your parents is a sports person that's awesome. Yeah They're absolutely. All... One part is that he was a uh, left uh, wing forward. Yeah, he he pre- represented his uh, his university etc. So he was he was a fine player, I guess. And and what sports do you love watching, Abhikash? Okay, so I am uh, uh, primarily a cricket enthusiast. Uh, I've been playing cricket forever. I represent my organization, uh, uh, you know, right now. 
I have represented uh, previous organizations as well. So uh, I like football. Uh, I usually follow the uh, the World Cup and and two two nations playing each other. I I'm more towards that. I'm not too much into league. Uh, field hockey, field hockey is something that I've uh, really been enthusiastic about, and I've been following uh, field hockey, Indian men's field hockey team uh, from the days of say Dhanraj Pillai and uh, Prabhjot, uh, uh, and to now Rupinders and you know Manpreet etc. So yeah, primarily these three, on and off tennis, yeah. Whatever I can get my hands to, yeah. It's really nice because uh, I found one thing super interesting, saying that you were interested in sport, but uh, there was a drop of reality for all of us there. Like sports was never a thing, right? It was never a mainstream choice for a career, and here we are uh, to change that. So we are glad you're here talking to us about it because this is what we wanted to do: is like start a conversation, get folks who are interested in this domain. They need not be players, but people who are interested to talk about it, and you know, this will pro- hopefully propagate the next generation because. It's. I think we missed our boat on being athletes anymore. I will have a, a a similar opinion, but I think what we miss out usually is that, uh, like you said, we expect uh, the current generation or the immediate generation or our generation to become a sports enthusiast, as probably have been uh, for some of the Western countries or or Europe, uh, you know, specifically European countries where the every generation is of extreme sports and enthusiast. This this will become a thing after a few generation. They have been following sports for for so long, and now the, the culture is so in, engraved into into their society. Same same will go with us. I mean, uh, maybe our our kids, and then uh, their kids subsequently will start, you know, uh, thinking about sports more seriously. No, for sure, because I don't expect this to happen tomorrow, and I hope for twenty thirty five World Cup India qualifies in football at least. <laughs> that is the hope. That will be dream, yeah. That will be dream, and maybe so, one of my boys playing there. <laughs> for sure, yeah, totally, man. So you said uh, your dad played uh, on the left wing, right? When you played football, what did you play? What position did you play? Uh, I usually play right midfield because uh, I'm a right hander i guess and and that comes naturally to me so i usually play right midfield i'm more of a uh, playmaker yeah. yeah you should have played you should have still played uh, left wing man you should just be letting cut back in cut back cut back into your right and shoot it to the top corner just kidding yeah that that is that is something the, for for the professionals uh. yeah this is round 9 uh, we are one more away from 10 episodes through this podcast again kind of seems weird that we've come this far we started this on a whim on a whatsapp group for news laundry and here we are so as you said we are going to cover uh, a few sporting topics this time uh, what do we have uh, as far as the main sporting headlines go aniket so let's start off with the headlines on the front of i think combined both of our favorite sport which is football so uh, premier league was off this week cuz there were a lot of world cup qualifiers that actually happened but there were some interesting managerial changes in the world of football and directly or indirectly affects both of us in a lot of ways so i wanted to i was super excited to talk about them so first in the la liga xavi hernandez is back to coach barcelona uh, and this time he's replacing ronald koeman who was our previous coach who got the uh, i don't want to use the word boot he got sacked so and we uh, the world is excited about xavi hernandez gotham what do you think uh, so 
it's interesting we spoke a little bit last week well not last week couple of weeks ago when we spoke with amit and it was more or less uh, given that he was going to be the manager uh, he was he was coaching in qatar before this is is that right or is it china it's china or qatar one of qatar. those two places qatar. so it was, he was doing in qatar so he was uh, uh, coaching there uh, well one thing that uh, we would all associate javi with more than spain is barcelona right and how he uh took to uh pep guardiola system as well as uh frank rykart system but more but mostly pep guardiola system of the tiki taka style and the la masia style of uh, playing football uh i'm assuming because i haven't done a whole bunch of research on his previous managerial assignments i'm assuming he's going to bring in the same spirit i mean i can see he's probably much of a bigger star than uh, someone like oli gunnar solskjaer at man united uh just considering uh, he's also an ex uh, former uh, club legend but uh, my guess is two things first they have barcelona has a lot of pissed off fans javi is definitely going to uh, put a bomb over it at least for the time being right and and that and the crowd will definitely uh, rally behind uh, the team now for sure which is not the case with ronald koeman and then second thing which remains to be seen and he and he has been saying that is that he's going to bring uh, uh the pep guardiola style of uh, playing football so i mean let's see what happens i i still think it's going to be a work in progress for a few years here so uh yeah i think you got some really cool points in there so one question you said he's maybe bigger star than ole gunnar solskjaer well uh, does that actually matter i don't that's the question i've been asking myself like you know playing is one thing and managing is a completely different ball game and uh, especially like you said he's uh, cut his teeth in qatar he's won the league there but is it uh, as good as la liga is it like managing barcelona i mean these are questions me being a barcelona fan i'm asking myself by the way i only say uh, i uh, compared him to ali and now he's that he's not as big a star as ali only in terms of uh, how fans perceive him right if you compare ali gunnar solskjaer and zavi it's not even close zavi is the biggest star for that given club right so that is just my limited point yeah you're totally right on the coaching things yeah for sure so uh, you know a lot of fans the news everyone's excited the news room seem to be very excited uh, i have my uh, reservations it's not uh, with the capability or ability it's just the timing of this appointment like barcelona are on a downward slump and it's going to take someone experienced someone who's uh, been there done that i would love to see javi come in and you know just take us keep us in champions league for now like that's the bar like you know you got to be in the champions league play champions league football uh, next year that's the bar it feels very uh, funny saying it but yeah that's kind of where we are yeah i mean it's not as if he does not have like a good core of young players they obviously don't have the really big stars they have aging stars uh, like aguero but Uh, they really have uh, these uh, up and coming young stars like pedri and we'll see what happens uh, as far as those young players go i think that's where the key now lies with barcelona because given their financial troubles i'm i'm pretty sure they're not going to get someone like a neymar or a mbappe for example their main aim is obviously to get out of the ninth place that they are find themselves in right now at least they have to get to the top 3 to make it to the champions league uh so yeah uh, his immediate aim will be to make it to the champions league but obviously the long term go- goal is to make sure these young kids uh become real men like messi did so all of these are lama sha graduates aren't they 
they are and th- so the first part of mine uh, my uh, argument that i made was skepticism the second part comes with optimism right so uh, first part is like okay will javi do this cuz he's been in qatar maybe not the best league but he has some form of experience the second question i'm really optimistic about is he's comes from the same lineage of ryan cruyff school of you know football that barcelona has been playing for a while he's come through the ranks i think one of the finest people to come out through the ranks even though their their whole team at one point was stellar we had i think we won the champions league with 11 la masia players in a team so it's it's one of uh, those things so it's really exciting cuz he's been there done that and we it'll be nice to see what he does with the team cuz like you said we have pedri we have frankie de jong who's a world class player but he seems to be lost under komen this is a personal opinion but uh, i feel that it was uh, lacking tactically the team would just assemble like the avengers and do whatever you want uh, but now with him coming in he's making the right noises so there are going to be some tactical changes he's focusing on team spirit effort and stuff like that he's made the right noises we'll see where it gets executed and how it gets executed that's the most important part so i'm optimistic and uh, again because uh, you made a humble brag i'm going to go back in time so we play the next thing is we play espanol and two years back i was at that very game so i am super excited to see uh, how it turns out and a lot of things have changed in these 2 uh, 3 years yeah yeah there is a certain uh, player called messi who's not uh, with the team so that it alone makes a huge difference but from one uh, uh, star uh, midfielding legend for a club to another uh, steven gerrard Uh, has replaced uh, Dean Smith at Aston Villa. Now Gerard is was uh, with uh, the Scottish Rangers. He's ended their drought, but then when once the Premier League clubs come calling, you're going to uh, let go of everything you have and you're going to come and uh, manage the Premier League club, right? So Uh, what do you make of that appointment i'm excited i like gerard i like what he's done with the rangers so i mean just for folks who don't follow the scottish premier league not like we do it week in week out but he basically got rangers their first title after i think nine back to back seasons where celtics won it so he basically revived that team and he's put a fo- he's, he's made a lot of good progresses uh, in the right direction so Uh, he's done a good job at Rangers it will be very interesting and very exciting to see what he does with uh, Aston Villa because they have a good team so they did very well past two years it will be interesting to see what he brings in with uh, his movement obviously he's not going to be playing champions league football with Aston Villa directly at least not immediately so let's see how it is it's a risky move i guess but uh, i'm excited to see gerard because premier league has some of the finest managers in the world right now so it's super exciting to see this league I kind of I quite like Dean Smith. I, I guess his time ran out there but well I I guess he has better experience than Xavi right because Rangers in the Scottish league is a decent enough league to be you know competitive in and to have won the league and breaking uh, Celtic's uh, hegemony is 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 quite a big thing uh, at least in Scotland. He's another addition to I guess our star players growing up right we have we just spoke about Xavi and Steven Gerrard we have Ole we had Zidane well Guardiola and Conte are former players but uh, just in general just growing up I guess that's a sign of us becoming old that our star players when we were growing up now becoming managers makes us a little old I guess Aniket but I will see you know if Xavi and Gerrard are at least half as good as what they were as players I guess they they will turn their clubs around both uh, Villa as well as Barcelona right and uh, you know both of them right now have what you call the underdog uh, story in some sense because both of them come in as new fresh managers who are yet to cut their teeth and earn their stars on the battlefield 
so i'm excited because i'm always supporting the underdog so this is uh, my kind of thing and i'm cheering for them like we spoke earlier i was supporting lampard and now it will be gerard in the premier league and javi and because he's managing my club yeah yeah let's see what happens there by the way as we record this on the 16th of november our time in america uh, the fifa world cup 20 22 FIFA World Cup qualifiers have been going on. I know you've probably kept up with a few games, Aniket. What do you make of it? I know Port- Portugal is in a bit of a danger. Well, you wrapped. Uh, you said everything that I wanted to add. That Portugal <laughs> is struggling. So is Italy, actually, for that. Uh, for a matter of fact. So they, when we say struggling, they have not qualified directly. So they got to go through the playoffs. So yeah, and uh, that's how it is. It is pretty sad for Portugal because uh, they almost had it wrapped up in the sense that the they were leading 1-0 and uh, i think they went in the defensive they were at home too so i think they went defensive and uh, in these kind of games when you go defensive you have everything to lose and i think they literally lost their qualification guarantee so we'll see i don't doubt that uh, for now at least that they will not qualify through the system or through the playoffs anyways i still think portugal and italy will go through but we'll see how it turns out yeah usually talent Uh, triumphs anything else usually on uh, for a sports team the dutch by the way qualified uh, after a few after a break uh, at the fifa world cup uh, they i think they have really good team this time they have some really young stars uh, uh, dipa has found his touch back so it's it's going to be interesting what uh, how uh, holland show up uh, in qatar next year but i'm really looking forward to the dutch i think they are uh, they might be semi final contenders at least next time around Yeah, let's look. I mean, they've always been the team uh, that uh, I don't know. They were called the dark horse a lot of times. Uh, the Dutch team. Let's see uh, what they do or what they make of their opportunity. But they're yeah. they've always they, been they a good are, team in are, my they, books. Yeah, they they are the perennial uh, underdogs or not the underdogs, perennial dark horses every time. Oh yeah, they'll make the semi-finals maybe. Who knows? They might win. They never won. <laughs> I think they won a Euro in '88, I think, or whatever. I think it's '90, uh, I think. Anyway, '88, uh, right? I think they won it in '88. Anyway, we should probably get into cricket and just we've just finished uh, uh, the T20 World Cup uh, in in the Middle East. Uh, so let's get into that a little bit. Uh, first, let's start with India. I guess what what do you think went wrong with uh, India this time? I th- uh, we saw Jasprit Bumrah talk about the whole bubble after bubble, and there was a bit of a fatigue thing going on both physically and mentally. Do you think that played into it, or because India more or less looked flaccid? They were not. They were really not. Didn't feel like they were at a hundred percent. I think the, they, this has been an issue with the Indian team for uh, some time to come. I mean, they they start they do not start any any tournament well, right? First couple of matches, unfortunately, it's been with uh, a lesser team uh, before this, and when it comes to that, they they just you know scrape off uh, that match and then uh, go into the tougher matches later on, and then find their mental and then you know go on and do well later on, uh, and then. Finally, struggle with the uh, you know knockoff matches, uh, you know uh, playoff matches, etc. But this time, what happened is uh, first couple of matches were the toughest one in that group for, for India, and I think that played uh, a part. Uh, also, at some point in time, I mean, uh, India had uh, a lot of pressure, it, especially in the in the Pakistan match because you know we've been winning all the matches uh, in the past in World Cup. I think that pressure got to them uh, in reverse, rather than you know Pakistan having to 
having to prove that they can win they i think they've said left it to rightly i mean to, to the result i mean their their effort was to just play a good game while i thought uh, our our players were more concerned about the result than than playing the match and and like like somebody rightly pointed out right this this tournament's uh, uh, you know uh, man of the series or the tournament player of the series was tossed so every yeah. time we lost a toss it was very difficult for us to come back or for any team for that matter i mean even even the semis and finals every team won the toss won the match and that's that's uh, really unfortunate i think that system is putting too much onus on one particular event which has uh, no skills no preparation involved with it i mean it's just a toss of coin i mean there's no cliche even and this particular sport uh, cricket is too much dependent on the conditions i mean it's just not like uh, football or hockey where uh, everybody's playing at the same time and uh, everybody has a equal chance if it rains in a football match or snows uh, it's for everyone it's not for one team who's playing or batting or bowling at one particular time so it's it's too much dependent on uh, condition and toss plays a very very important role so i don't know i mean whether this this would change in the near future but that's where it is but uh, having said that coming back to india's uh, form i think we've depended too much on uh, our openers for long in first couple of matches unfortunately they got out uh, cheaply and that puts a lot of pressure on the back end right Yeah and I think they got a bit of their uh, uh tactics wrong I think because in uh, our, our traditional T20 setup at least in terms of batting has been uh, get yourself in get your eye in and then accelerate uh, run between the wickets hard you know make sure you have wickets in hand for the first six overs at least preserve them once you're in you can just go bang 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 and it'll be good but now with the evolution of T20 and the analytics and it's all about matchups now right who is who which bowler is good against which batsman which batsman is stronger against which bowler so everybody every team is doing their homework we saw in the first match uh, shaheen afridi is 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 a guy who always gets wickets at the top so once that happened and uh, once they lost wickets they were immediately found uh, found wanting and they're all uh, almost immediately in the back foot right so it was all firefighting after that point so i think they did get their tactics wrong a little bit um the it once once the to- the totals were not as uh high as they were supposed to be which meant uh which meant that you know the bowlers were not given decent enough chance because they could just play out bumrah and take out take take other bowlers into take other bowlers to task so yeah i mean as far as that goes in a way it's it's good that uh finally Uh, the 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 streak has been broken uh, with india and pakistan in the world cup because i think that was that was something that was going to go anyway <laughs> it that 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 was coming right so that in a way i think it's good so i had a few points to add i broadly agree with what vikash said right uh, about the various aspects so uh, there are subtle differences i want to talk about in opinion one was uh, i agree is our batting struggled i think we've been talking about this Uh, in prior episodes as well it is related to test cricket but in general the indian batting lineup is struggling at least in my head and a lot of the times the bowlers and the bowler batsmen have actually pulled us out of dire situations and this time for some reason uh, i thought the bowlers just looked tired the whole indian team looked tired to me and uh, this brings the age old question uh, it's not age old because ipl is relatively new but the question is uh, how do you deal with this right uh, you the ipl i have opinions on that and i'd like to know everyone's opinion about playing in ipl just before the world cup 
and how it is my opinion is uh, you always put your flag over everything else which is your uh, you playing for your country so it gets utmost priority ipl can typically be moved around that's my opinion because it i mean in any normal relative sporting sense there is fatigue that sets in so you cannot counter that thinking that a any player will go fresh from a tournament after playing so many number of games he'll be fresh i think uh, people have not done their research when making comments like that but that's my opinion and uh, lastly uh, i wanted to add was toss uh, that's the point i deferred on uh, which toss it, i agree 100% that uh, all the teams that won uh, won because of you know uh, who actually batted first one so it, it so happened that way but i would agree that i would say that uh, that's giving the easy way out to our team at least uh saying i mean again i'm an armchair pandit out here who's never played any form of uh, professional cricket who's making comments on the likes of virat kohli don't want to do that don't want to be that person but i think uh, there are deeper issues and hopefully dravid's appointment will fix them like that's the hope yep i mean i i was not trying to put all the onus on toss what happens is conditions uh, do play a lot in cricket i agree especially with in you. the middle east with the dew setting in right no, i agree i agree 100% right. with you on that front like the conditions matter because in cricket uh, of just the dew creates so much of an effect for one team than it does for the other you don't see that in football basketball or any other sports i agree with you 100% so we spoke about what went wrong what all went wrong for india but what all went right for australia this time and i don't think anybody gave them a chance to win it all i mean sure they have really good players but i think is it a question of everybody playing really well at the same time except for aaron finch maybe as a batsman because pat cummins was awesome i love marcus tonis always have rated him highly david warner has been in good form maxwell has been good they didn't even need steve smith a lot their bowling has come up trumps uh, what did he make of australia i think you forget michel marsh uh, i mean he was underrated in that sense if you just look at the performance in this particular tournament i think yeah you rightly said it's they peaked at the right time you can never say that australia won't do good in a in a multi uh, national tournament right perspective uh, in in cricket and if you look at the last four world cups uh, they won two you can never you can never say that australia won't do good yes they they were not being you know uh, termed as favorite but uh, yeah i mean it was not expected i was even in the last match i was expecting that uh, australia may falter at the end even after uh, you know new zealand had made 170 odd i thought they would lose couple of wickets and just uh, lose the steam because it is also a matter of uh, you know uh, scoreboard pressure but a scoreboard pressure never took to them i mean they just blasted the whole scoreboard <laughs> so yeah i think uh, australia nobody gave them chance it is it is it is yeah kind of kind of unbelievable that they managed to come up and know what to do in this big big tournaments and always come up trumps but i kind of want to talk about a little bit about uh, new zealand because I'll, i'm going to ask a provocative question i i at least ask one provocative question an episode do you think oh, given given their team Do you think over the last let's say six years, so beginning from 2015, right? So they made that World Cup final in, in Australia. Uh, they made uh, they made the World Cup final in 2019 again. Uh, I think I think they made a semi final in between in the T20 World Cup. Maybe I might be wrong. Uh, they they made the World Test Championship final and they won it. And now they, they made it. the final again, T20 final again, and lost. So have. having been in all of these finals and semi finals and 
uh, getting into the latter stages of the tournament with the team that they have, which is a very, very strong team, do you think they have underachieved in world tournaments? Because, I mean, it might be a harsh question, but I think it's a fair question to ask if they should have maybe showed more medals than they have now. So, uh, I think it's not the uh, last five, six years. We, we've seen this. I mean, I've been following this sport for a long time. Uh, by the way, uh, I'm, I'm pretty old for that matter. <laughs> uh, so Don't worry about you're it. In, you're in good company. So, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I remember my first World Cup that I watched on TV was 87 yeah. World Cup. From then on, I mean, that semi-final hat-trick by Chetan Sharma, I think, before that, they were not there. I mean, in, in right. all of the World Cups, they were not there. That was the first semi-final for uh, New Zealand. And after that, they have consistently made into these uh, uh, big tournaments, I mean, in, in terms of semi-final. The only final uh, that I remember, apart from the last World Cup that we were talking about in England, they won that one in Champions Trophy against in India. In 2000. In 2000 in Nairobi, yeah. Uh, what, is, what is happening right now is the, there is a lot of expectation out of them. Previously, there was no expectation out of New Zealand team. They would be there, they would compete. Uh, I think 92 World Cup was somewhere. They really were, you know, packed uh, midway in the tournament that they they should win this. But after that, they never had a strong team like uh, they have right now. I mean, the bowling unit, batting, every everyone is everyone is playing well. But then when it comes to the final final to final match, apart from Test Championship, they have sort of lost it uh, with the pressure, I guess. But since it is a test match, I think they had enough and more time to be there. And, you know, even if it is, if things go south, they can pull it back. But in T20 and uh, one days, this doesn't happen. Right? They, nobody gets the time. Correct. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess the weight of expectations and also the goodwill uh, maybe sets the bar a little high for New Zealand in this coming tournament, Saniket. Yeah, first I must add, I was going like, wow, how do you guys know these dates, which team played when? It's it's uh, insane memory both of you have. But uh, I uh, predominantly... So here's how I think about it, right? Your question was very thought-provoking, actually. Because uh, there are two aspects of being a world-class performer. Is it If it's for an individual or a team, I think the standard is the same. First part is consistency, like you got to be consistent. So you got to give New Zealand 10 on 10 for consistency, like they are up there always coming. The second aspect is, can you perform under uh, on the big pressure, under big pressure on the big day when everything uh, is going on? At that point, you can question them. Uh, maybe they don't, yeah, maybe they don't, maybe they don't have it in them. Uh, there are lots of speculations, but you got to give them 10 on 10, 10 on 10 for consistency. And uh, it's tough, man. It's very tough to win a World Cup. It is not, I mean, we make it sound uh, so simple to win a World Cup, but it is absolutely, it's difficult. And uh, only people who've been there, done that can uh, talk about it. So that's my opinion. Like they're 10 on 10 for consistency. You know, Lionel Messi won his first trophy with Argentina so late in his career. And he, I think he was still lucky to have won it. Otherwise, he would have been one of those guys who went, uh, you know, trophyless for his nation. So it is uh, tough. It's not easy to do that. So full respect for that. And that's my limited point. Totally. Uh, uh, having said that now, um, that that's as far as the T20 World Cup goes. So but, I want to make a uh, shout out though. Uh, one uh, very... Uh, I thought 
Pakistan played brilliant against India. I wanted to make that shout oh, out yeah. on the record. Their openers were outstanding. I think then uh, they're going to be a crazy team to look out for. Like even the game with Australia, I I thought Pakistan had it for a lot of the time. I thought they bowled pretty well. They batted and then Australia took it. So good to them. But it I think uh, they are a very interesting cricket team. Their bowling and batting, especially their openers and their pace bowler Afridi is really good. So. Uh, shout out to those guys too. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Pakistan always had a very good bowling uh, unit, right? Absolutely, yeah. But now the batting has really come up. I mean, Babar, Rizwan, they, these two guys are absolutely fantastic. I I loved uh, uh, the way they you know uh, took that match head on, especially against India. I mean, they were never looking like getting out anywhere, and that is in T20. To a match where you are going, you know, uh, over seven and a over, and uh, very casually and no signs of pressure at all. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. that, right? And that's I think pissed a lot of people off because the people <laughs> were expecting some fight from our side, and there was no fight, no, no fight, especially in Pakistan batting inning. I mean, they were not playing the match. They were just throwing them the ball and they were hitting it out of the park. That's it. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. would agree with that assessment. I, I think after the 15th over point, I think uh, they'd given up. Our <laughs> bowlers said yeah, like, it was ki, ye abhi. Matlab, it w- I think the shoulders were down, the morale was down. You could see that, uh, you know, the game was over after that point of time. So, anyways, uh, I deviate, but it was just a shout out because I thought the openers were doing a spectacular job. Even in the game with Australia, I think, it was it was insane. So yeah. With that being said, we also have uh, a new uh, tournament. Well, new T Twenty series starting. I don't know if it's a T Twenty series or is it if it's a full series, full series three, between India and New Zealand. Yeah. So having but we have uh, Vikash. We have a new T Twenty captain, a new India coach. Uh, so let's let's start with uh, Dravid. What do you think of uh, Dravid as the India coach? How do you think he will fare? And then we'll and then also tell us what you think about Rohit Sharma as a T20 captain for India. I think both of them have uh, proved their mettle before this. I mean, this is this is just a. Uh, I mean, they this would have happened before if uh, not for Ravi Shastri and uh, Virat Kohli being there already. If there was a weaker, say, uh, coach or a lesser result here and there, they, this could have happened. Natural progression could have happened. Rohit Sharma has won, I think. Four or five, four or five IPLs. Although I don't uh, value too much uh, uh, the IPL trophy as such, uh, but neither uh, does Aniket. By the way, you're a good man. You're a good man, Vikas. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more like a, a drama that is played out in the garb of cricket. Uh, I, I really this at the IPL, and people would not like me for that, but. Uh, yeah, th- there it is. I mean, Rohit Sharma has won that. I mean, you can't deny, you can't take that away from him. Uh, and you can't take uh, the similar thing, similar achievement as a coach from Rahul Dravid. I mean, he has, has given you uh, under-19 World Cups. He has given you players. He has given you uh, good teams, good players coming out of NSA. I think he has proved it. It was only a natural progression from NSA to uh, NCA. Even NCA. Yeah, NCA. Yeah. Sorry, NCA to uh, to uh, the, the main uh, main cricket team coach that uh, I think was natural. Some somewhere I've I've heard or I've read uh, that Rahul Dravid was uh, brought into this role because he was paid too much in in the in the NCA. Uh, there was rumor. I don't know how. So, much 
so we discussed in in detail about this last few episodes so looks like there is i think based on reporting that's been done i, I read one article in the hindustan times there was an article in the times of india that he was clearly strong armed into taking up this job he was reluctant to take uh, indian indian uh, coach's job uh, he was happy where he was at because you know that he was comfortable it's it's the nca it is in bangalore he was comfortable but uh, he was kind of strong armed into uh, taking this job i think there were some strategic leaks from the board saying that you know rahul dravid is paying getting paid uh, too high at the nca and it's not feasible for him to be the nca director anymore which meant which was like an indication that hey if you don't accept the coach's job you might be out of uh, uh, the job at the nca i think what his strength is he uh, nurtures player and when you become a coach of indian national team a men's team there is very little nurture because these guys have been nurtured and brought to brought to uh, the top of the table top 11 out of 1.3 billion right so they they do not need nurturing anymore and his strength is nurturing the players from from the ground up uh, that i think might have made him less comfortable with this job but it doesn't matter now because he has to he has to deliver uh, at the, at the top of uh, top of the game uh by the way uh, rohit sharma i don't know if you've noticed uh whenever he has won the ipl he has not done very well as a batsman and that is something is happening with virat kohli so i don't know how far he can take this if this happens with the national team as well because stakes are pretty high i mean ipl even people you know forget about the last to last ipl nobody would remember who was the finalist apart from the winner but what happens with national team is every match every tournament is is a high stake tournament so i don't know how he will take in terms of his batting and we need him as a batter because virat kohli is sort of struggling for last couple of years kl rahul will always delivered in one match or the other so you are sort of sure about that but the rest of the batting needs uh, needs a boost so you are depending on two three players and out of that if you make one of them uh, captain and he's not done too well as a captain when uh, as a batsman when he was captaining a team i think they can be a immediate change after a couple of tournaments because he might not get as much time unfortunately i think there was a very valid point there like uh, and it it is a very true point captaincy is not easy you know you might be the best play- even if you are sachin tendulkar you know yeah. he couldn't perform when he was a captain so it is not an easy job it's not meant for everybody and uh, yeah i just wanted to add that limited point that it's a tough job so it does take a toll on your cricket uh, if especially especially if you're a batsman i don't know why but especially if you're a batsman it does uh, take a toll on your cricket and uh, they don't make bowlers captain anymore i i don't see why that cannot happen i think uh, ashwin is somebody that i've always thought could make a very very good captain uh, whenever i hear him uh, in in different you know uh, interviews etc uh, he comes out as a very good cricket ba- brain and he he has strategic and tactical uh, knowledge of of the game and that's what you want out of a captain you don't want anything else i don't know i mean bowlers as a captain and being a fellow bowler i i usually think that they they have more grip over the game when and uh, you know uh, when we are fielding when 
it comes to betting i mean it's the two player who are there right and and and, and the messages which uh, which come from the dugout or or the pavilion whatever it is these days so i think bowlers can uh, be given a chance uh, being being a captain uh, I think I think there's a reason behind it. Like the first bowler won us the World Cup, then a wicket keeper won us the World Cup. So now they want a batsman to win you the World Cup. So right. Yeah, probably yes. Uh, if for that matter, they can have a specialist fielder uh, uh, after we uh, win a win a World Cup with with a batsman, right? As a captain. Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine mean, bowling and not batting, and then being being a captain. Yeah. Yeah, but I think. Uh, I like Rohit Sharma as a captain I think but as you as you rightly said it might put some pressure on him as a batsman or a bat I should I think by the way we should say batter and bowler now I think they've made it gen- gender neutral I think we, I'm trying hard to focus my brain to keep calling batter and bowler so I'll try to do that Yeah I think when at least with Mumbai Indians they they do a lot of homework right they have a really good back uh, back staff uh, they have preset strategies in place before they get in but I think what Uh, sets Rohit Sharma apart is he has a really cool head on his shoulders. He gives his bowlers uh, the the freedom to set their own fields. If it's a really experienced, let's say if it's a Malinga or a Bumrah, right? He he's just like okay, you 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 have this over and this over. Just set your fields. Uh, I, I'm okay with whatever you do. So I think that he's he looks like he's uh, very empowering. He's ob- obviously a very chill guy. That definitely comes across. So he's, uh, he looks like he's if agar kuch bura galti kuch ho gayi to he doesn't really uh, he doesn't really you know I don't know jeer at them or cheer at, or something like that you know. I I think uh, uh, T20 as a format is very tactical when it, when you go on the field. I think. Yeah. Uh, in the one day you can make a strategy even midway because it is 50 overs and test match is all about strategies but t20 is uh, is more a tactical game uh, and you do these you know uh, who who plays what well and who plays uh, where well so in that sense uh, number of trophies should give him a lot of badges in terms of being a good tactical captain uh but then obviously they have a very good uh, back back end staff like you said so uh, they do a good homework on each and every player but doing homework and then finally executing it uh, tactically and in terms of skills is is another another thing right awesome uh aniket any any comments on cricket here before we move on no I'm good. Just don't play an IPL before a World Cup again, guys. Please don't do that. <laughs> no, I'm so I I'm I'm going to make one more comment here uh, just so that I don't come out as that IPL hater. You know, so IPL has IPL has done good well, things. You are an IPL hater. I am I mean I am but I do give it its thing saying that it has done very good for Indian cricket. The lineup we have today is owed to IPL and before that we briefly had ICL if you remember. So yeah. uh, to both of these i think it's very good uh, opportunity now le- what was only a dream where 11 people could play now more than a dozen of uh, other people are making their livelihoods out of this and uh, we should uh, empower our athletes to play in uh, all forms of sports like this so i i'm 100% with that motto i don't know i i am torn on how you could do this better actually i i kind of partially agree with both of you i i say you spread it over the year and if international players don't want to come they don't come like you know you don't you can't have messi in the premier league if he wants to come he comes otherwise if your league is so good you know everybody will want to come and play for your league so i think uh, i don't know free market i guess see how the free market capitalist world works out yeah
let's quickly move on to uh, the world of formula 1 anket because on sunday the november 14th of november uh, we had uh, the brazilian grand prix quite a quite a spectacular and eventful uh, race we've had not just race we had a pre race which was a sprint we had the qualifying we had lewis hamilton uh, penalties uh, engine box failures replacing it coming from the back in the sprint coming from the back in the uh, in the grand prix what do you make of the whole thing it was quite an unbelievable race to watch oh it was it was spectacular i did not expect uh, the race at sao paulo to go uh, <laughs> be this exciting at least it's actually it's surprising we should dig into it a little bit more but it, brazilian grand prix has always had something happen it's always been uh, interesting so well i should take my word back but yeah it, it was a great race so just to give context to the listeners on what actually happened at the interlagos circuit was basically that there were the qualifiers so in generally typically it's friday is the free practice so the three free practice sessions saturday is the qualifiers and sunday is the uh, race feature race as it's called but this time they mixed it up a bit and it was a third uh, sprint race they had so the qualifiers happened on friday and lewis hamilton actually was on pole for the qualifiers so he actually uh, had another spectacular drive and he qualified uh, p1 which is basically p- for pole for the sprint race but turns out that uh, he's got penalized his car got he and his car and his team so all three of them got penalized for uh, some deviations from the rules so basically his uh, drs which is a drag reduction system is supposed to open roughly 85 millimeters but at the corners it opened a few millimeters here and there more so he got penalized uh, that's what the rule book says and he got penalized but what was interesting was that before this happened they actually decided to take an engine penalty because i think every team is allowed to change the engine i think three times and then each time you change an engine you take a grid position penalty so since this was the fourth change or third change i don't remember but uh, he took a five place grid penalty so even before the qualifying happened it was uh, set in stone that he because he was using a new engine which would offer him more power he would take a grid penalty so he was supposed to be starting from fifth in the sprint race anyways because he finished first turns out he started from last because he got penalized for uh, this thing and in all this drama to add an element of fun to it uh, it turns out that max verstappen went and touched that same very wing after the end of his uh, qualification so he was fined i think 55000 pounds for uh, touching a uh, car which is uh, yeah during uh, park for me which is uh, not allowed it's 50000 pounds uh, sorry 50000 euros and not pounds so uh, just to clarify he was fined uh, verstappen was fined 50000 euros to because he touched his uh, the hamilton's rear wing so so he was penalized but that being said uh, so what a drive from lewis hamilton in two races he drove like a true seven time world champion in my head so he came as you know gautam he came from uh, i think last position to he finished fifth in the sprint race and then he took a five place grid penalty and he went back to 10th and started the feature race to finish first hamilton against the odds has come home to win the sao paulo grand prix yeah boy That's how you do it man. That is how you do it. Luis Hamilton overcome a 25 place disqualification. Leo Amo Brazil. So that's what happened uh, in the Brazilian Grand Prix and boy, what did you think? You tell me. I I I'm I'm always when you talk F1 I go on I get adrenaline rush. So I keep talking but tell me what did you think? Quite an extraordinary race. There's no I mean uh for some reason it felt like 
he had the fastest car on the grid uh, th- than anybody else even than red even than the red bulls uh it's just from the begin the sprint was like that he felt like he was a man on a mission even the main race was like that uh just because he made up in the sprint it was kind of insane at the end of the first lap he made up so many places mm-hmm. by the end of two or, i think one or two laps it was insane uh even it was the same for uh, uh the main race as well uh his 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 almost it felt like inevitable that uh, the overtake uh overtake of verstappen was coming right it was all, it very very it seemed very inevitable uh, even once he got past verstappen he just, he was just out of sight he just once he passed him he just really took off so i don't know if he had a better car this time around if it if it the if the dynamics of the circuit really helped him or not uh, uh i think i don't think red bull got their strategies all wrong either i think they they they, they had a good race at the end um even even valtteri bottas fumbled a little bit that helped red bull even then uh, lewis hamilton man uh, my brother was uh, I stalking my brother he was saying how annoyingly good he is um is just you you love him you hate him doesn't matter you can't take away the fact that he's a great driver and he proved it you are right in both counts actually so a uh, the circuit helped uh, lewis hamilton and mercedes team because mercedes cars typically have a higher straight line speed and uh, red bull is more good at turns and they have a better downforce so they do better in tracks that are turns so that was one thing uh, mercedes were expected to do better second thing was he had a better car too cuz he like i said he had a new engine and typically uh, the first couple of races with the new engine and that's why it was strategically done because there are only f- uh, three races left now for uh, the season to end so they wanted to end to, with the most powerful engine so i think both your uh, observations were correct is that uh, it was the track and also the car but most importantly it was the man behind the machine like the drive he drove the aggression he drove with i think in both the races if you see in the first two laps he goes beyond five people or something like he drove and his uh, childhood hero is arton senna and i think he it wouldn't be wrong to say he bought Senna to life that day uh, on the track the way he drove the aggressive style of driving is what i mean like you know just and it's tough like when you've been put on the back foot uh, it requires some we're talking about mental aptitude with new zealand and all that things earlier but it requires some form of mental fortitude toughness to actually you know say like okay i'm going to take this head on and actually do so well so uh, yeah it was a brilliant drive only 14 points separate max verstappen and lewis hamilton uh, in the in the championship table uh, verstappen is leading by 14 points and as far as the constructors go uh, mercedes is leading them by 11 points so everything to uh, race for the next 3 uh, races in the final 3 races uh, i'm just glad that uh, we have a really good season we have a very close season i'm just I, i'm just happy that it's not a a runaway leader and it's not one sided anymore i'm just glad that we have a rivalry hopefully for the years to come oh for sure and you can also see that in both the drivers right uh, both of them come out after oh, the yeah. press conferences both of them are like oh yeah we absolutely loved it it was a crazy battle and you know, they battle hard when they are on the track and when they are out of it uh, they enjoy and i think that's the uh, prize you pay for being getting an adrenaline junkie out of uh, you know competition so they both love the competition both are pushing each other and uh, it's it's pretty pretty exciting uh, i'm i'm really excited for the last three races so let's see what happens i'm pretty excited too so uh, there is max verstappen for his debut world championship which is hats off to him and there is lewis hamilton for his eighth 
So I do. I think uh, either way, the only driver to have won eighth if he wins it. Yeah, so uh, it won't be disappointing either way. And boy, he did uh, fight uh, uh, really hard for this because uh, if he wouldn't have won this race, there was basically there was no way he could have uh, made the difference, and it would have basically gone down to the last race because then Verstappen, yeah. irrespective of the result, would be leading in the next race. So, and he drove like it was his last, and uh, it was a crazy drive. Back and forth, back and forth we go. And also, did you did you hear to Sebastian Vettel's radio after? I'm gonna touch Hamilton's rear wing. <laughs> Don't you dare! Very expensive. I'm joking. I try the front wing. Maybe it's twenty five grand. <laughs> so he's a Vettel funny is guy. such a uh, he's at a he's at a point where he dri- really does not care what people think about him. He's yep. won, he's won his championships. He's very he seems like. He's a very content driver now. He's having <laughs> so, fun and he's enjoying every race yeah, he's out there. He's yeah. enjoying every race. That's totally true. Now, b- before we finish up, Vikash, I just want to uh, uh, kind of give you a brief uh, idea of how this podcast started, right? We actually, both Aniket and me, met on a WhatsApp uh, group of the news laundry had for America. So that's how we kind of started chatting randomly. And I, I asked him if he wanted to do our podcast. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And that's how it started on a whim. So tell us about your association with News Laundry, Vikash. How you found out uh, News Laundry and how you become a subscriber and how long have you been a subscriber? I've been a subscriber for more than a year now. Uh, I I used to watch Tippany and New Sense on YouTube. I mean, like everybody else, love those shows. Uh, very few Hindi-speaking, uh, you know, journalists who you would admire. Uh, Miss Chaurasia is absolutely fantastic in that. And if you want to be a Chaurasia, be uh, our Chaurasia. Yeah, Atul Chaurasia and (laughs) Peepak. Anyway, having said that, uh, I love those shows. And uh, I I kept hearing that they want to, you know, uh, have this model of uh, making the news free by, you know, uh, having to ask, uh, asking the subscribers to pay and just... uh, just one day found found my uh, found the website and went there and paid it i mean that's how i became a subscriber and it it's been an enriching after that it's it's i mean it's a no brainer if you if you want a good journalism uh, you would you would naturally uh, get attracted towards news story it's just simple Guys, we are tired of saying this. So be like Vikas. Go subscribe to News Laundry and support independent media because the country needs independent media now more than any time else, at least in my living history. So go and uh, yeah, pay to any independent media that you support and uh, keep the ecosystem thriving. Yeah, totally. Before we let you uh, go, Vikas, do you have any sports-based recommendations for us? Anything, doesn't matter. I I do not have a, a book per se, but I did see uh, a bad sport uh, on, on Netflix. I think uh, yeah. the Hanklonier episode uh, is, is and, and another one with the, with the fo- football in uh, Italy, I guess. Uh, that is Italy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those two were really, really well made and they, they open a lot of things. They talk about the, the sports thing. I mean, having a sports culture is one thing and then spoiling it with, with uh, these kind of uh, scams is, is another. But do watch it so that you know what not to do in, in long run if you want to, you know, uh, be a sports person in your life. So that's where it is. Awesome. Before we conclude, Aniket, do you have any 
Yes, I have a recommendation which I found very interesting. Uh, so it's related to what we spoke earlier. It's the it's called the Test, and it's on Amazon Prime. It basically uh, follows the Australian cricket team and the journey they've had. So we can include the World Cup T Twenty World Cup win, and it it starts from all the the ball tampering scandal, right? Uh, what actually broke out, and it's the cameras are in the dressing room, so you can listen to Justin Langer, the new coach, take on and. How uh, Steve Smith, the captain, and then uh, Darren Lehman, who was a coach, stepped down. So it's basically their journey after that, and uh, how they work as a team together. It's I, I I I've not finished the series, but I felt like it's worth watching. Even seeing the first just two three episodes, I just felt it's a it's a shout out to them, and they've done a good job in making that series. So that's my recommendation. It was a it, it was a well produced uh, documentary. Having there was a bit of a puff piece aspect to it i think uh, here and there because it was okay. i'm so so that's why i made that disclosure i've seen like i'm two episodes in so i i don't know what happens at the end but the first two episodes are pretty fascinating to uh, recommend it i mean uh, checking out uh, the the ashes battle between steve smith and joff rachar i think alone is worth it to watch the whole thing so okay. uh, once you get to the ashes part of it it's really really good so just that sequence of 15 minutes or so is amazing so check that out for sure for sure um my recommendation is also cricket based uh, uh, it's a conversation between nasir hussain and uh, uh, michael atherton on sky sports cricket it's on youtube i'll uh, we will add the link to the notes uh, Az- azim rafiq is uh, is a yorkshire uh, county cricket player in england uh, he was uh, by all accounts uh, there was an independent inquiry that happened uh, he was racially abused by his own teammates uh, in in their initial internal investigation the yorkshire uh, cricket club found that it was just quote unquote banter and it was not particularly offensive but after even stronger allegations by uh, after consistent or you know after constant allegations by the player uh, there was an independent inquiry and the report now shows that there was uh, cl- clear uh, evidence that he was uh, some racially insensitive comments were uttered against him actually gautam uh, thanks for remind let's talk about this for a minute because i think yeah. this is uh, very important to talk about uh, thanks for bringing it up it slipped my mind but did you read uh the i mean i'm sure you have cuz you brought it up and you remembered but when i read it it was sad it made me feel bad we are the worst species on the planet humans are terrible like it's a statement out there i mean come on folks i mean what has happened to the world the way they treated him and i'm sure this is not the worst of it so much is happening and i'm glad it came out cuz i think people need to talk about it uh he spoke a lot about turning away you know about how his child's death uh, was actually uh, also an issue of uh, which led to harassment and stuff from his uh, boss but it talks about how he turned away from it the per- the victim basically you know uh, turned away and a lot of people i think in today's world feel that way and i think it's good that these things have come out and it was it's heart wrenching i would recommend people another recommendation go watch that it's on uh, youtube uh, his whole um, hearing if you call it uh, i don't yeah. the whole hearing is there it's heart wrenching and uh, i think more people need to watch that to realize how we uh, as humans treat other humans yeah totally and 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 
in the in the clip that i recommended between uh, uh, nasir hussain and michael adar they have a very nuanced discussion as to what happened and what needs to be done and what how they need to proceed i think uh, they are very uh, balanced about uh, what their viewers but yeah it was quite staggering now that uh, now the sponsors have pulled out uh, david lloyd uh, the sky sports commented who i who i really like uh came out and apologized because his name was thrown in there and he was apparently a little insensitive in some of his text messages and so on so uh, as you said glad uh, it's good that it's coming out uh, it has to had to be addressed either way at some point because we are in 2021 2022 coming up it's this these sorts of things nobody is standing up for these and uh, nobody is no no there's no room for that not that there was room for that initially before but it's, right now there's no way i didn't know about this commentator you mentioned but it's fine somebody made a mistake uh, they come out they own up to it they say sorry i i think i'm okay with that but what's important is uh, we talk we normalize talking about it like it should be okay for somebody to say that hey what you're doing to me is not right i think uh, as a human we advocate for free, free speech i think this should be the bare necessity in our world today uh, 100% agree so yeah check check that clip out uh obviously the final recommendation is news laundry please go and subscribe to news laundry pay to keep news free go ahead and click on that subscribe button i think you can subscribe for one year two years uh, you can subscribe for uh, smaller time periods as well but we would prefer that you do it for a longer time period so uh go to newslaundry.com check out our other podcasts we have hafta we have charcha don't forget to say write to us at yes contact at newslaundry.com with nl playoffs on your subject or uh, also use the uh, there's a letters link message drop feature i think that's enabled uh, so please drop us an email yeah catch us on uh, catch news laundry on youtube we as 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 vikash said watch tippani watch newsins uh, catch our podcast awful and awesome chacha hafta the daily dose uh, and 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 the whole lot so hey vikash again thanks very much for joining us uh, thanks for being a subscriber and uh, willing to participate with us we hope to have you down the road also at some point uh, yeah i i would love to come back and give give my two cents yeah anytime it was great to have you thanks for making it again have a good day thank you you too guys thanks uh, until we talk to you again next time hopefully with another special guest or just the two uh, two of us two boring uh, hosts we will uh, talk to you later have a good one everybody All right, bye-bye. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.